and we are live. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Game Breakers. Your host, Edwin, back again on another episode. This time, it's on a Tuesday. Why might you ask? Because let me let me tell you guys a little story, right? So before Thanksgiving comes, we do the episode. We're doing everything nice, dropping the episode, the clips and whatnot. The day before Thanksgiving, your boy gets sick. Your boy gets sick. What is going on here? Like, I'm over here getting a little sore throat, getting some runny nose, mucus. Oh, it was just terrible. So if you're if you're wondering if you can infer, my Thanksgiving this year wasn't the best. It just wasn't. And I'm still recovering right now. But I'm not the most woest meest person in the world. I'm not the most mopiest person in the world when I get sick. But I, I just felt tired, guys. I really did. Like, I get tired a lot when I do get sick. And it's it's a good thing that I don't get sick as much as other people do sometimes because, you know, they have weak immune systems. That sometimes is a, a thing. But for me, that's not usually the case. But when I do get sick, it's not the best. It's not the best at all. Anyways, though, I'm back. Still trying to do this thing. So you guys can listen to me speak again. I mean, that who, who, who doesn't want to listen to me speak? Uh, come on. Come on. But anyways, so... Unfortunately, we didn't do the preview of the Week 12 matchups. I think we did do the preview of the Thanksgiving matchups, if I'm not mistaken, which we did, actually. Yeah, we did. But the preview of the Week 12 matchups was not done, obviously, because I was sick. Post-Thanksgiving, leftovers, a lot of things going on. I get a lot of things going on. But I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, we might not be able to do an in-depth analysis of the Week 12 matchups because Will might be on. And, you know, for the sake of time, you really can't do all that. But I'll give you guys a brief synopsis of each matchup today. And in case he's not on tomorrow, then I'll go in-depth of the games itself. So I'll do that. A special, special one for you guys. And I'll also give you a... Recap of the Colts and Steelers game because I did do some research on that too. But anyways, I hope you guys are doing great out there. Once again, starting off the week strong, doing your thing and continuing to grind. That is the biggest thing, continuing to grind. But without further ado, let's get straight into business. So Colts and Steelers, Colts and Steelers, what the hell happened in this game? I'll tell you what happened. All right. The Colts had no offense in the first quarter, no offense. It was kind of reminiscent of the pre-Jeff Saturday Colts, which was can't get a rushing game going, no passing game, Matt Ryan making blunders and mistakes. I mean, he had a bad pick in the game early on, threw it into double coverage as well too. So I'm not sure what's going on for them. And by the way, while they're doing that, the Steelers are not finishing their drives. They have these 10-play, 48-yard field goal. You know, we have this 8-play, 27-yard field goal, right? But what I have noticed, and I always try to give a different uh, descriptions of quarterbacks and whatnot and how they play, but I always say about Kenny Pickett is that he's very decisive and he can be sometimes very commanding in the pocket, which I do like from him, right? But the overall analysis of this is that this offense is not an explosive offense. It's a dink and dunk offense, very much underneath. Okay, and you can see that they're not going to push the ball down the field most times than not. But for a young QB such as Kenny Pickett, that doesn't matter. I mean, you don't really need to do that. Make the easier throws for him and move the offense. 
It's the same thing that we wanted Zach Wilson to do for us, you know, when he was starting. It's the same thing that we want guys like Mac Jones, who did it last year with the Patriots when he was playing well, move the offense, make efficient throws, and let's just try to score points and play some good defense. And so far, early on in that game, he was doing that. And his defense was playing much to par. I mean, they gave up only, what, 17 points the entire night, but it took the Colts until the second half to really get going. So give credit to them. And by the way, I was a little bit skeptical of them trading away Chase Claypool. Why? Because I don't know how that would stunt or aid the growth of Kenny Pickett. But George Pickens, <laughs> George Pickens is the real deal. And I, I knew he would be the real deal, but he has taken on the lead receiver role of this team, at least for the past three, two to three weeks. And he's been that guy making outstanding catches. I don't understand how the Steelers continuously do this every time when they get receivers. They make these receivers go. They make them look like studs. They make them look competent. They make them look like game changers. Deontay Johnson last night was also a game changer for them too. So they don't really need Chase Claypool. They don't. And Kenny Pickett is not going to be an over-the-top offense anyway. So you don't really need those down the field, 50-50 balls anymore. Just let your receivers run down maybe 10 yards, 8 to 10 yards, and strike them down there, right there. So that, to me, is a good recipe for winning. And you can see the blossoming of this offense moving. Now, we had a little bit of a running game. Okay, not bad at all. 172 yards on the, on the ground. And, by the way, Kenny Pickett, another good attribute of his is that when he senses trouble – he decides to run. Good. Good. All right. Don't stand in the pocket and just wait for things to happen sometimes. Make the game yours. You can run outside the pocket because he is mobile enough to do that. And you can make plays with your legs by just running outside the pocket and passing. So two good things for Kenny Pickett last night for me that I noticed and saw. But he did have a running game last night. Benny Snell, 62 yards. We had Najee Harris, who got injured in the game, only 35 yards. So I didn't bet on this game, surprisingly. Did not bet on this game because I just couldn't tell exactly what would happen. But I know damn well I would have bet Najee Harris for 40-plus yards, and I would have been pissed off if he didn't get his 40 yards, which he did not because he was injured. But he scored a touchdown in the game. Steelers are rolling 13. Where was it? 13-3 at one point. And we get the Colts who come out the second half down 13 points on a long Kickoff return by Flowers. Okay, that gets them going. Score touchdown by Jonathan Taylor. Okay, cool. The defense comes up to life again. I'm surprised they were getting pushed back. Because, I mean, but it's a little bit understandable because you see the offense not making anything happening the entire opening first half and whatnot. Um, but they come to life, play some good defense, get a couple of crucial stops. And the offense, Michael Pittman, Matt Ryan, getting going, okay, now we get the point score, now we up one point, 17 to 16, and we see some of the things that the Steelers have been doing all night, which is running the football good enough and being dink and dunk, but moving the offense. You see, the, the dink and dunk is good for a young QB. Now, we always criticize Aaron Rodgers for the dink and dunk in his offense or Matt LaFleur for his dink and dunk offense this year because he's not a young QB. They should be pushing the ball downfield. They should be aggressive. And for a team that has big aspirations than the Steelers, 
they should be able to do more than dink and dunk. But for the Steelers, once again, it's a great, great way to give your QB, your young QB, some success in the future. Okay. Now, Jenkins, Jelani Jenkins, this guy right here, have they found a new piece for this offense? Sorry, not Jelani Jenkins, Jelani Woods. <laughs> Jelani Woods. All right. Have they found a new tight end for them? Have they found a new piece for this offense? I mean, he's he popped out around a lot last night. Made a couple of good catches over the middle and whatnot. Was a favorite target for Matt Ryan. All right. So maybe he could be something going forward. I don't know. Possibly. But let's fast forward. Steelers are up seven points, 24 to 17. Okay. Now, there's one crucial play that I want to bring up to you guys. Okay. Second and long, Matt Ryan scrambles. And he dives short of the first down. Now, I don't get it at all sometimes. You are in a game where you're trailing. You want to make a play. And I give him credit for scrambling outside the pocket and making some things happen and getting a lot of yardage on the play, getting him back to respectable third and down, fourth down situations. But why not go all out for that, that first down? You see, because after that scramble, which he does not get because he decides to fall short of the first down, they run a jaw play. They don't get it. And then you have the quote-unquote questionable pass interference call, which is not a, a pass interference call to me at all. You know, at, at no means necessary. He, the ball was not playable uh, for the receiver to really catch. That would really impede him of getting. And I think that the ball was just thrown in the bad spot. And there was no way that the receiver was going to get to that ball. I'm just saying. So you have that. But I just wondered. All that could have been avoided if Matt Ryan dives or makes an extra effort of getting the first down. Maybe he doesn't know where the sticks are, but sometimes as a Colts fan or as an NFL fan, that could be a bit frustrating to see that he could have actually got the first down and made life simpler for us, but he chose not to do that. Maybe because he wasn't aware or maybe because he was trying to not get injured. I don't know. But the point is they lost, and I think that that was one of the major points in the game or one of the major plays in the game that cost them that L. But they didn't lose the game off of that one play. I mean, they didn't have any yards in the first quarter. That's pretty atrocious. <laughs> That's pretty bad. They didn't get the running game going until late in the game. So, yeah, against the Steelers, by the way, too, at home. So it's not a good, not a good way to go out, but still a work in progress. For Jeff Saturday, is still a, a case of him trying to mold this team into what he wants it to be. It's only been, what, three games so far. And last week he went against the Eagles. They had a chance to win that game too. So it's not a bad it's not a bad thing to look at for the future. It's really not. But the Colts lose that game. Now, like I promised you guys, I'll give you one or two notes from each game. Not going to go into detail, but one or two notes from each game just in case we are not able to go in depth for the entirety of the matchups for tomorrow's episode. So, starting off with the Bears and, and Jets, yeah, Michael Mike White, I call my boy Tidy Waddy, played really well. Played really well. And I know I went on and said like last week that this could possibly well be Zach Wilson's team still, you know, but at this point in time, the way Mike White played, and I get it, it's against the Bears, but the way Mike White played is you can't really take him out the lineup at that point. You just can't. You just can't. Because that would be sending a message to your team again, saying that we care more about development than about winning right now. And Mike White, I think, 
can help us win more games at this point in time than Zach Wilson can at this point. I will admit it. I will admit it. I was wrong a bit because I, I am still holding on to hope. I am still very much holding on to hope for Zach Wilson. But Mike White played really well, really well against the Bears. He made the offense look decisive and much more explosive. And we, we just saw free Elijah Moore posts everywhere. We saw free Garrett Wilson posts. Yo, like, it looked different. It looked different. So Mike White, and I, I do believe that with Mike White starting, we have a chance to really make some noise. So I, I would keep him at, as a starter, even though it is a week-to-week basis. But I would keep him as a starter, head into Minnesota. That's going to be a tough game. So we definitely will preview that. But we'll see what happens in that instance. Uh, Buccaneers and Browns, that was a bad loss for the Bucs. I don't know exactly how you let that happen. If you want to have any shot at the division or the playoffs, even though you are in a bad division that is, as it is right now, but to lose the Browns? Come on. Come on. And I wonder, one note, what the hell is going on between Tom Brady and Mike Evans? Like, where is the connection at all? Like, why has it disappeared in two weeks? That's so weird to me. It really is very much weird. Okay? And you look at this team, to start off slow, come back into the game, and then not take it by the throat against a team that you should be beating, Says a lot. Says a lot about their struggles. And I told you guys, for all those who believed in the Bucks this year, it was never going to happen for me. Still won't happen for me. They're not going to be able to turn it around. They're going to make the playoffs probably because they're in a bad division. But you put them in any other division on the NFC, they don't make the playoffs for me. They don't. Maybe the NFC West. But still, that, that division is still not even considered a, a toss-up because Seahawks, Niners are playing well. So, Playing in a bad division and you lose this game against the Browns still has you in first place somehow, some way. I don't get it. But either way, Bengals and Titans. Okay. I thought the Titans would win this game. They did not. Unfortunately, they did not because I need them to win this game for the sole purpose of the Bengals dropping some games and helping us in our quest for a wild card spot. <laughs> but the Bengals did a great job of playing some hard-nosed football, okay, playing some physical football, it is tough to out-physical the freaking Titans, a team that it prides itself on physicality. I mean, there's about maybe two, I'll say three teams in the NFL right now, maybe four, four teams that can beat you off of physicality alone. Titans, Niners, Eagles, and I'll give you the Bills. Sorry, five. I'll give you the Cowboys too, Cowboys. Five teams. But outside of those teams, I don't think anybody can do that. But the Bengals did just that. They had the late touchdown to T. Higgins, too, that gives you the lead. Um, not much to say about this game at all. I, I just think that they hung in there, they hung in tough, and they came out with a dub on the road. Good for them. Dolphins and Texans, not much to talk about for this game either. Obviously, the Dolphins are playing much better. Tua is the best QB in the NFL for passing rating, and that is surprising. Now, I will admit, I was wrong. I was wrong. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with admitting I was wrong, guys. I, I really don't. I know I, I want to be right every time than not, but I was wrong. Okay, Tua has been playing much better, and I can't keep on making the excuse that it's the offense, even though it is Mike McDaniel. I still do believe he has his fingerprints over everything, but Tua is playing out of his mind right now, and I can't keep on saying that it's not mostly him. Tua deserves a lot of this credit too, right now. He really does, and yes. Tyree Kill played really well again. Jalen Waddle played really well again. You played against the Texans, but you have to dominate the Texans. You give them no hope. 
and that's what they did. So credit to them. Uh, Falcons and Commanders. This game was actually close up until the end where the Falcons turned the ball over in the red zone after trying to score the go-ahead touchdown to win the game. Um, Once again, I picked the Commanders to win this game, but very much in every fashion, I must say. Very much so. You know, and you could just see that the Falcons, to me, even before this matchup came about, like they had a chance to really win actually the rest of their matchups, if I'm being honest with you, because either of these matchups can go any way. And this one was one of the cases where it could have went either way. But unfortunately, they don't get the job done. It's what it is. Broncos and Panthers. Now, Russell Wilson sucks again. He just sucks. He sucks. I can't continue to blame it on Russell Wilson because I, I do think that the head coach does have some blame on this. I mean, how can this offense look this bad? How can this offense look this bad against the Panthers? The Panthers, guys. The Panthers. The Panthers. The Panthers. One week they play really well. Next week they play like dog trash. Dog trash. And if Russell Wilson can't have 200 passing yards against the Panthers... What the hell is going on here? I'm watching the game, and I'm seeing three and out, three and out, three and out. What the hell is going on here? In the first half, this Panthers defense is not that good. It's not. It is not. But then I realize, then I realize that the Broncos offense is atrocious. It is garbage. I mean, I keep on giving this team some respect. But the respect comes from playing against the Raiders. And everybody scores points against the Raiders. Everybody does. So, yes, the Broncos team has failed to score 18 points again. (laughs) 18 points again. And this time it comes at the hands of the freaking Panthers, led by Sam Darnold, who will be starting for the rest of the season, apparently. What is going on? What is going on? I have no clue, but it is what it is. All right. Jaguars and Ravens, a game that was pretty much very much close the entirety of the way. And it came down to a missed field goal that we all kind of expected Justin Tucker to make, if I'm being honest with you. We all thought that he would make that field goal. But it came up a bit, a bit short. Um, And you, you just wonder, the Ravens, to me, they have a good team. They really do. But I wonder, now this is the fourth time Fourth time, they've lost a game by four or less points. So when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of things and playing with your life on the line here, not your actual life, but you know what I mean, you know, playing with your your football lives (laughs) on the line here, okay? I'm talking about playoff time, crunch time. Do we really trust this team to, to win this game? I mean, the Giants, the Bills, lost the lead to the Dolphins, and now you lost on the road against the Jaguars. Four games where you should have won, probably. Didn't win. All right. And they all came in crunch time as well, too. And that shows a lot about your character in the last nine minutes of the game. And they can't pull it off. They just cannot pull it off. So it's a lot of questions to be had over there. It really is. Chargers and Cardinals back and forth action here. And the Chargers mount a comeback. Now, we all want to criticize Brandon Staley and whatnot. But, man. What guts. And a crucial play, too, by the way. A crucial play that could turn the whole entire tide of their season. And so far, it did, positively. Because he went for it on on the two-point conversion. He gets it. 
They win the game. They come out of Arizona winners. And now they are six and five, still within one game of the playoffs. And six and five is better than five and six. I'll tell you that much. So kudos to them for that. It really much so. Really much so. Once again, this team is not really playing with that much help. A lot of injuries on the back end. And Justin Herbert is fighting for his life out there. But I will give credit, even against the sucky Cardinals, because it is a tough atmosphere still on the road. Vance Joseph is no scrub on the defensive coordinator end, and they came out with a win. Kudos to them. Raiders and Seahawks. Now, what the hell is going on here, guys? The Seahawks have looked bad the past two weeks. They have dropped games the past two weeks, and I'm surprised here. Why? And it's not the offense's fault. And maybe I could be wrong. I have to do a little bit more research on that to see exactly how this game was lost. But to lose the game off of a 86-yard touchdown in OT is embarrassing, by the way. Embarrassing to me because I did play Josh Jacobs in fantasy this week, and I'm freaking losing. Or I lost. Actually, I didn't lose. I lost. I didn't, I'm not losing right now. I lost because of Josh Jacobs' freaking 86-yard touchdown in OT. Like, who does that? Who gives up that much? And OT, to lose the game like that. What is going on here? And that's the issue I have with the Seahawks. This team can be very dangerous. But they play no defense sometimes. They really do. And, yes, I'll give this team credit, right, because the defense has been playing much better over the past couple of weeks. But up until the Buccaneers game, they have reverted back to being mediocre. And – you have to go back to being that competent, solid enough defense for them to have a chance still. You know, like you, you can't you can't give up that, that many big plays on the ground through the air and expect your offense to come out here and outscore everybody. No, it's not it's not gonna work. It's not, it's not gonna work at all. Okay, so they have to fix that, but I'm very concerned about that defense. I really am. I really am. But the Raiders come on the road and win against the Seahawks. That's surprising. Rams and Chiefs, not much to talk about here. We knew that the Chiefs would come out of here and blow them out, which they kind of did, 26 to 10. Um, Patrick Mahomes played a phenomenal game once again. The Rams don't really have anything going for them right now. They really don't. You know, no Allen Robinson, no Cooper Cub. Who's the, who's the going to throw the football to? Who? Van Jefferson? No. Come on. Come on now. Yeah, they, they can only do so much. Bryce Perkins, I believe, is the quarterback. He can only do so much for that team <laughs> right now. So, yeah, it is what it is. But they really don't have anything going for them. And they have to look for towards next year. Look forward to next year and see what you could do to regroup. Because I don't even know if the draft is your friend at this point. I, I don't. Niners and Saints in a very defensive-oriented match where the Niners only scored 13 points, but it got the job done at home. Jimmy Garoppolo did his thing. Um, and you just look at the the play from Andy Dalton. It was okay. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But you really couldn't get anything going on offense, which is the main key of the entire game. No point scored. Shut out on offense. So that, that to me is another issue that has to be fixed. But once again, you're not going to come out here and out-physical the Niners. The team is very much imposing, very much overpowering. So not expected to really come over there and dominate them in the trenches. You can't do that. Not the Saints team. No. Eagles and Packers. Hmm. 
a game that was actually kind of wacky, a bit wacky. I mean, you had Jalen Hurts be um, being unstoppable in the freaking ground game. I mean, this guy was running his his butt off, had no answer for him. All right, Miles Sanders too. I'm kind of pissed off that I bet 200 passing yards for Jalen Hurts when I knew that the Packers cannot stop the run. So with that being said, they would run the ball down their throats, and Jalen Hurts would play a big role in that because they can't stop the run. They, they, they just they, they can't. They can't. They can't. They just can't. Just can't. But the Packers, they stood in that game. They were able to hang tight in that game up until Aaron Rodgers gets injured, I believe. And you know, he he's finding it hard to breathe, and his rib cage is killing him. Ends up going out. And actually, the game is still in reach when Jordan Love comes in and he hits a, a what is it, a in route to Christian Watson, and now they're back in it after him taking it to the house for about what sixty six yards. Who has been gone? He has been nowhere to be seen for the first couple of weeks. These past four or five weeks, Christian Watson has been a touchdown machine. Okay, but as you know, good teams do good team things. They put bad teams out the misery. And that's what happened. So I didn't really expect the Jordan Love-led team to come out here and steal a game in Philadelphia, which they did not do. But, I mean, it was nice to see that if, in fact, Aaron Rodgers is not able to go, which he is trending likely to play next week or this week coming up, you know, they do have a QB that maybe can give them something on offense moving forward. All right, guys, that is it. That is it for the recap, the brief brief recap and i don't think that i really have to do another one to be honest I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm over here thinking about it and i'm just thinking to myself you know i didn't really cover everything but i gave you guys good enough information for you to walk away feeling like you know about every game <laughs> just saying just saying all right now let's talk about some basketball basketball talk so we don't really give this team too much coverage but the orlando magic okay Orlando Magic. And I want to talk about Bobo. Bobo right here, right? And in a statement from his teammate, Paul Banchero, who was basically talking about how of a freak of nature Bobo is and how a great player he can be in the future, pretty much, stating, everyone talks about the Victor dude. Okay. Wow. Victor dude is crazy. I'm not trying to compare them, but Bowl 7-2. Shoots threes, brings it up the court, makes passes and blocks shots. I feel like people kind of forget about him, but Bo's a freak of nature. And guys, to go along with that, you know, surprisingly, this guy only averages 13 points, seven rebounds, and, and two blocks. Two blocks is good enough for me. But the 13 points is kind of surprising. Why? I don't know. I just feel like a guy of his, of his stature, like this kind of basketball player, should be able to get more shots and have more of a role on offense and be, to me, one of the focal points of the offense, which over the past, maybe say five to 10 games, he's been that, but it's surprising. And I, I just wonder how much of a difference he, he could have been for other teams if they gave him a chance. Like look at his past instances, you know, with being a bench player, being a warm-up player and whatnot, being a guy that's not dressed, a healthy scratch, and maybe that can go into account of really the physical, uh, physical prohibition. I'm, I'm drawing the blanket. Physical uh, restrictions <laughs> of not playing a guy or playing a guy that is seven two, pretty lanky, and doesn't have that much 
uh, strength to him, muscle to him. You know, that all can be taken into account. But so far, it's working. So far, it's working in a case where he's getting all his shots up at a high volume. And on top of that, he's been able to take efficient shots, too. I mean, he's taking some smart shots. And I wonder, with a team such as the Orlando Magic, can this be the breaking point for them where they get a guy in Bobo who can physically dominate just by being taller than the other player? Okay? And then have a, a, a stud scorer next to his side and Paulo Banchero. And you already have guys who have proven to at least do something in the past. Cole Anthony, Markera Foltz, you know, Jalen Suggs, who's coming along this season. Can we say the, the the Magic have a chance to really be a young, up-and-coming team moving forward where they can make some noise maybe the next two years? I think it's possible. I think it is. And I don't know the health status of Bobo and what it will become in the future, but I do know is that he's 7'2", all right? And he is Victor Wembanyama before Victor Wembanyama. Okay, guys, let's be honest here. I mean, if he got more minutes... And I'm surprised because he he didn't get no no minutes like he didn't get no minutes whatsoever before the Magic, pretty much. But if he got more minutes, I I honestly believe that he would be able to do some of the things that he's doing right now. I know he had a little brief stink stint with the the Denver Nuggets and whatnot, but right now this guy is balling out, and he gives them a shot at really having a, a promising future. And that, to me, is a bonus for the Magic and for Magic fans who have not had that that theory of, in the past, of having a future where they can be proud of, where they could look forward to, where they could buy tickets to to go see their players. I don't want to go and see Cole Anthony every time. I'm not going to lie. I don't. Like, he's, he's a nice player, but I don't. But you have Bobo, who's who's playing lights out, okay? I don't want to say lights out, but he's playing really well. All right, now you add in a Cole Anthony, a Jalen Suds, a Paul Banchero, who can come in and complement their playing styles, and now we have a young, exciting team who can actually make something happen. You never know. You never know. But we'll see what happens with that. I, I just want to notice, I just want to keep on notice of the potential that this team can reach off of the potential breakout of Bobo moving forward which to me is actually very much worth talking about, I think. So, Lakers talk. Lakers talk. Here we go, guys. Here we go. So, the report is that the Lakers locker room believes they are just a couple of players away from being a legitimate championship team. Hmm. So, we knew this coming in. We did. We did. Okay. I always said that the Lakers, to me, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, all right, those players are key. We know that. But if you add a couple of more important players to this team, more important than Lonnie Walker, sorry to say, more important than Kendrick Nunn, more important than Austin Reeves, like guys who can come in and step in and take some important shots, who can be reliable on the team, right? Then there's no telling where this team could go. I'm being honest here. I, I really am. There's no telling where this team can go. Now, the Lakers have found a bit of life, right? You won five of the last seven games, so that's pretty good as well. Even though it was two against the Spurs, 
one against the Pistons. Um, yeah, I'm just yeah, the Nets weren't playing well as well, too. Right, I get that, but still hard to win the NBA anyway, and you won those games. So give credit. LeBron James is still playing at a high level once again, and he should be on pace to break Will Chamberlain's record uh, for the most points scored in NBA history still, right? But I want to know exactly what the plan is and when it will be motion when the trade deadline comes into reach. Because this team, honestly, I do believe that you get a shooter, you get a better core of shooters or get better solid players. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the roster still and it's still the same kind of concerns that I had before. No three point shooting. Once again, no three point shooting, but you know, if you push a guy, then a shooter to the bench, who's a starter for them right now, who started last game, at least push him to the bench. You push Troy Brown to the bench. I mean, like, come on now. Come on now that we have a better roster if those guys are getting bench units, I mean, bench minutes compared to starter minutes. You know, those guys to me are not starter minute caliber guys anymore. They're not, especially Dennis Shooter. So you need better talent on the roster there. Now, if you have a plan in motion as far as just trying to get the trade deadline uh, submitted and whatnot, and you get a chance to get in some real quality players, then yes, guys, take a look at the NFC. I mean, NFC. Take a look at the freaking Western Conference standings. I mean, it's pretty tight. It is pretty. It's pretty compact. If I'm being honest with you, I mean, the Suns are running away with everything. We get that, and, and followed by them, we have a close Denver Nuggets team. But three through seven, it's pretty damn close. Every game is separated by one, at least. I mean, every team is separated by one one game for the most part. And the Lakers are pretty far behind. They're 7 and 12. I get it. But it's not a hard thing to do where you come back, you win a couple of games, and now you're back in it. It's not, especially when you get a team that's capable of competing. And you have a team that is being led by LeBron James, by the way, and a healthy Anthony Davis who has been playing really good so far this season. So, yeah, it's not out the question at all. It's really not. It is really not. So I want to see exactly what this team has in motion to get some better quality players. And if also, if that includes offloading Russell Westbrook, then so be it too. I, I see a future with him on the team, but I also see a future with him off the team as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I just think it's actually very much important for the Lakers to really construct this team and to give themselves another shot at a playoff run this year and at a postseason run this year where they can actually have a winning chance in, a winning chance to win the championship. So we'll see what happens with that. We will see what happens with that. But we'll continue monitoring. It's still not the Lake Show. It's not back yet. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to jump the board and say they're back. They're not. But they have a chance if you make the right decisions. Now, this happened a while ago. But I'll give you guys some brief synopsis of it anyway. Kemba Walker going to the Dallas Mavericks, a guy who has not played since February 16th. All right. But four time All Star, you know, for four straight seasons at least. Um, Average 19 points, five assists, and whatnot. Was a key member, a leader, sorry, of the Hornets when he was playing with them. 
was a key member, I guess you could say, or a key player. I remember. Who am I saying member for? A key player of the Boston Celtics when they were having their bubble run and whatnot. Hmm. Can he provide some type of minutes for this team that can help them? I mean, you look at this team right now, guys. The Mavericks are struggling. The Mavericks are struggling. I mean, 9 and 10 is not good at all. And I won't give you guys anything crazy. All right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come over here and rant about how trash you are, because the season is still very much early enough. It's not early, early, but it's still early enough to change things around. And also, we don't really see too many dominant teams in the in the NBA right now. Anyway, I'll give you probably the Celtics, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Bucks. That's about it. Every other team is in reach. If I'm being honest with you, they really are. So it's too early, but. You can see the Mavericks have sort of an issue once again when it comes to the scoring. The scoring is not there. I mean, aside from Luca, I don't know, man. I'm not sure. I'm like, I, I'm still confident in Spencer Dinwiddie, but that bench unit once again is not there for me. It's not. I think the only guy that scares me off the bench is Christian Wood. But if it's not Christian Wood, it's not anybody else. It's really not. It's really not. Everybody else is a complimentary three-point shooter on this team. You know, so no one on that bench can get their shot off by themselves or create their own shot, get a pull-up dribble, whatever. That is where Kemba Walker comes into play. That, to me, fits in, all right? Kemba Walker can be the guy that can come in and play sort of a role for this team, similar to John Wall, similar to Victor Oladipo when he was healthy, right? Come in, you're an old veteran, you're older at least, um, you have to come in and maximize your minutes and play some competitive basketball, play some efficient basketball. Also, by the way, yes, can you give us at least 10 points a game? Yeah, he could do that. He could do that. All right. And for a team that needs, once again, needs some ball handlers, aside from Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie, they are in need of that. And, and Kemba Walker, to me, he comes in and... I'm not going to really disrespect Christian Wood. But aside from Christian Wood, it's now the best player, the best bench player on that team. Now the best one. So, yes, this is a good move for them to make. And I want to see how they ease him into the lineup. Now, for a team that plays good defense, or that did play good defense at least last season, it's going to be tough for them to integrate him into that role. And, he, you know, we'll see how he does with that. He definitely is a defensive liability from, in my eyes, from what I've seen in the past. But he has a scheme that could help protect him and, and, and Jason Kidd and what he could do. And on top of that, he can get some minutes from him that can be very much crucial, too. I mean, you could think about a lineup of Luka Doncic, Kemba Walker, Spencer Dinwiddie, which is kind of bad, too, actually. I'm not going to mention that because you can't have Kemba and, and Spencer on the same team at the same time in crunch time like i don't think it's gonna work out but if it does work out it does work out but i just think that for the most part Kemp Brook could come in here and be the the leader of this bench unit and can get the mavericks back on track because right now for what from what i've seen and what we are seeing from the court they are still struggling to really have anything outside of luca and dimwitty at least at this point manifest into something bigger and better they are struggling in that aspect. So maybe Kemba Walker comes in. Maybe he gives them some crucial minutes. Maybe he provides another scoring threat for them and for other teams to worry about. 
Maybe. All these are maybes because he has not played basketball in months. <laughs> has not played since February 16th. So that's a long time. And the last time we saw him, he wasn't playing the best basketball anyway. He wasn't. I'm sorry. With the Knicks, he wasn't playing the best basketball. But maybe this is a shot to come out over here in Dallas, in Dallas and do his thing. So we'll see what happens. But I, I just think that when it comes down to guys like Kemba, John Wall, Victor, you know, these guys got to come in here and take the opportunities when they come. And it's unfortunate sometimes that injuries rob them of that chance. But when they are healthy, you got to come over here and play lights out. And it's, it's tough to say that you have to come out here and play two times as hard, even though you probably are the better player than some of these other guys coming off the bench and whatnot. But for what it's worth and for where you have been in your career, which has not been pleasant in the past couple of years, I would say, it, it's imperative that you come over here and play some good basketball. So we'll see what happens, guys. But anyways, as you can tell, I am burnt out still. My, my, my voice is still cracking. I'm still trying to recover. But I just want to come over here and give you guys a bit of me once again. Edwin Talk from Game Breakers. Anyways, let's hope I feel better tomorrow. And guys, be sure to check out some more content on TikTok. Even though I have been saying that for the past, what, two, three weeks now? <laughs> and it has not been manifesting because Will has been busy with the editing and whatnot. And I guess it's been, you know, it's just too much. A little bit too much right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a pause on that. Now I'll give you guys the real run now. We'll take a pause on that. And whenever it pops up, it pops up. But Keep on supporting us on Twitter. That is another thing, too, that I have to get back on to doing. Instagram, which has been dead, too. <laughs> what, has, what has not been dead? Oh, my goodness. See, we have to do some reviving for this podcast as far as just getting some clips out there. Because if it's not you guys listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts over here, damn, we might not get anybody listening to us anywhere else. But I hope you guys are still doing that for me. I hope you guys are still sending out the, the podcast and the episodes out to your friends and family and whatnot, because let's face it, we work hard at this. I work hard at this too. I don't come over here and try to BS you guys. I don't. And I, I think that I would know what I'm talking about when I come over here and speak my truth. But that's just me. But anyways, enough of me blabbing. It's just too much blabbing. I'm tired as well too. Guys, have a great rest of your day and we are out. Peace.